0: And the king is on the move. Good morning, Hope Elam. Oh, let's try it again. Good morning, Hope Elam. It is so good to see you again. I want to welcome you here this morning, whether you're worshiping with us here uh, in the room or those of you worshiping with us online, a special hello to you as well. It is Palm Sunday, the day that we welcome our Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, into Jerusalem, into the Holy City for this Holy Week, as you saw there in the opening clip. And again, if you are uh, new today, whether this is your first time or your 100th time with us, we want you to know it is no accident that you are here, and we have been praying over the spot that you're sitting in right now, we've been praying for you uh, as well. And uh, man, I'm already off script, and I'm 10 seconds into it. I I have seen some of you this morning that I have not that I haven't seen in person in a year. Welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being here. This is awesome. Um, It is so good to be together, and and whether you're here in the room or or online, you are a part of our church family more than uh, you know. Distance makes the heart grow fonder, and uh, we are very fond of all of you, and we love you uh, so much. God is on the move. The King is on the move. Amen? And it's not just uh, in the clip, it's not just here on Palm Sunday, but God is in the move, on the move in the midst of our church community uh, here as well in, in a whole bunch uh, of different ways. Ryan mentioned the, the work day that we had, 50 volunteers here working inside and outside the building yesterday. You may not know this, but on Wednesday nights uh, right now, uh, we're wanting to bless the community, we're wanting to get to know our neighbors uh, as well, and so one of the ways that Jesus is on the move in our church community is our missions team said, well, we can't serve a food through a buffet line inside we can't dine together right now because of uh, the pandemic however we can still bless our neighbors and so they have been preparing ready-to-go meals as well as hundreds of bags of non-perishables from our partnership with the Iowa Food Bank and get this the last two Wednesday nights they have given out over a hundred meals to our neighborhood right around here uh, in the city praise God for that I tell you what there are two things that Hope Elam loves more than anything else, and they are in order. It's Jesus and food. Can I get an amen? So, and we love to bless. Uh, we love to serve. So if you want to get involved with that, please let us know. But God is on the move. Amen? amen. God is on the move and is certainly true today as we begin this holy week, the final week of Jesus' ministry on earth. Sometimes uh, Pastor Hurst and I and others on staff will get asked why, why Holy Week? Why, why do we have to have whole this, this whole lead up the whole week? Why, why Monday, Thursday? Why? And it's Monday, not Monday, Thursday, for those of you that are confused. Uh, it's Monday, meaning mandate, mandate Thursday, to love others uh, as we love ourselves, the greatest commandment. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, celebrating Jesus' sacrifice, and then we get to Easter. Why? We know the end of the story. Why can't we just skip to next week? Why do we have to go through this whole process? I want you to think for a moment about the stories that you've loved, your favorite movies, your favorite stories, your favorite books. I believe what you will come to find is the linchpin of every single epic story that matters is the power of any story lies in the magnitude of what had to be overcome, The power of any story lies in the magnitude of what had to be overcome. Without Friday, there is no Sunday. Amen? Without a death, there is no resurrection. And for some of us, if we don't understand this process, if we don't set our sights on the totality of Jesus' story, so many of us want the blessings of Sunday without the sacrifice of Friday. In our own lives as well. Because Easter takes on a whole new meaning when you realize what it took to get there. Don't go to the grave until you've gone to the cross. That's what packs the punch next Sunday when you come as you show up for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and you realize there is no good news without the bad news first. With realizing what has been overcome, and that is our sin and death defeated once and for all. And that's why, whether it's been your tradition or not, we want to invite you to experience this Jesus' story in its entirety This week, to come to Monday, Thursday, to celebrate Holy Communion together, to come to Good Friday, which is a powerful service every single year, and it starts today, this Holy Week, on Palm Sunday. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, we're going to start in John chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to camp out there, John chapter 12. If you're new to the Bible, that's totally fine. We love new people at Hope Elam. We love people at Hope Elam that have never opened your Bible before. Let it be the first time today we also love bibles that are well worn as well so open those up to john chapter 12 verse 12. We arrive on the scene and the city of Jerusalem is in an uproar. If you've ever watched on TV like a like a Super Bowl championship parade or a ticker tape parade or the World Series champion or something like that, this is that. It's the celebration of Passover, which is an annual festival for the Jews. And so when Jesus enters the city, it is a massive deal. And instead of flags and confetti, people are ripping off palm branches from the city trees, and they're waving them in the air, and they're yelling out Hosanna. They're waving their palm branches, which is a symbol of victory and kind of associated with the Greek goddess Nike. If any of you have Nikes on today, you are right in line and very fitting for Palm Sunday. And they start yelling, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I'm pretty sure that all of you got your palm branches on the way, and if you did, wave them around Wave them around like you just don't care. Okay, you got them. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to set the stage and give a glimpse of what it would have been like that morning. And so we're going to split it right down the middle. So upstairs, downstairs, online, folks. You're going to be the blessed as the king, folks. So you're in this too, okay? So if you're on this side, and those of you in the middle, you can pick a side. This side right here is the Hosanna side. This side right here and the online folks, you are the blessed as the king. We're going to have a friendly little competition, which, uh, which side is a little more rowdy this morning, okay? So this is just a practice, but you have to wave your palm. That's what makes the difference, okay? One, two, three, Hosanna. Ready? One, two, three. Hosanna. One, two, three. Is the king. Ooh. I think the Hosanna folks got you. Should we give it another try? Okay, now, whatever side I point to, that's who goes next, okay? So you got to keep an eye on it because I might mix it up, okay? Stay awake this morning. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Hosanna! Wait for it. Let's do it all together. Hosanna! One more time. Hosanna. Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna, praise God. Yeah, you bet. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was great. Hosanna, which literally means save us. Well, that's an odd thing to yell at a parade. Save us, which only makes sense if you need saving. If you can admit that you need a rescue, which is exactly what the Jews were hoping for that day. Why, why the royal treatment? Why taking off their cloaks and throwing them on the ground? Because this was supposed to be their king. Now, he comes in on a donkey, that's a little odd. But when a conquering war hero in the Roman Empire would enter back into, this was normal. They do this all the time. Rome was was beating up on everybody and accumulating lands and and riches and wealth, And and so the conquering king would come back, but he'd be on horses and chariots and puffed up, and here comes this rabbi from Nazareth on a donkey. This was supposed to be their king, the king who would come and restore Israel back to prominence and power and the glory days and be like King David, the great military leader, and, and overtake the Romans who had been oppressing them. And so the cry was, save us, King Jesus. Kick out the Romans. Restore us to power. And yet, with all due respect to their national pride, Jesus was making it very clear by everything he said and sometimes by what he didn't say. By his actions, and sometimes what he didn't do, I'm a different kind of king. Don't miss it this morning. I'm a different kind of king. I have a much bigger purpose in mind. In fact, later on, he is beaten and bloodied and bruised, and he is before Pilate. Pilate thinks he has all the power. And Jesus says this. Let's read it together nice and loud on the screen. My kingdom is not of this world. One more time. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says, because if it was, you would know. Because if it was, the Romans would have known. Because if my kingdom was of this world, Jesus said, I would be fighting you and you would be losing. If it was all about building wealth and power on this earth, you would know, because I'm not just the king of kings, I'm your savior. Jesus says, which means my primary mission is not your agenda of saving you from the Romans. It's saving you from a far greater and permanent oppression called your sin and your death, including yours and mine. The cry of a Jesus follower on Palm Sunday isn't, Jesus, save them. You know, all those sinners out there, all the people that don't come to church, all the people that have fallen prey to the culture, the, the worldly people, the people on the other side of the political aisle, the people that I don't like, the people that I don't want to associate with. Jesus, save them. Thank you so much for being a savior for them. The cry of a Jesus follower on Palm Sunday is Jesus, start with me. I need saving. So when you yell Hosanna, that is a declaration of what we just sang. Save me. Empty me. Start with me. And by the way, praise God for our worship team this morning. That was awesome. That was awesome. It's empty me. It's save me. Jesus knew what he was about, and it was the driving force of his life. And because of it, Jesus' purpose formed his path. For Jesus, his purpose determined his path. And you might think that's a very simple statement, but it's actually very, very simple. Profound. Jesus had a crystal clear understanding of his identity and his purpose. Do you? Do you? Don't miss that. Don't just get caught up in the story. Ah, let's get to Easter. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing because he knew who he was and what he was all about. And the same idea holds true for all of us today as well. Your purpose determines your path your purpose determines your path and whether you've identified that or not we all have a purpose you have one it just might not be very intentional every single one of us has a why behind our what every single one of us has a purpose behind why we make the choices that we do the priorities that we have for some of us for some of you maybe your primary purpose is your career It's getting the right job, it's it's the right paycheck, it's the right title and position. And and if that's your purpose, then your path is going to look like drivenness and maybe grad school and long hours and climbing the ladder. If your purpose is having a nice, safe, comfortable Christian life, then your path is going to be filled with whatever makes you feel good. You're going to take the path of least resistance in your life. If your primary purpose is making sure your kids measure up, to every single other kid around them, and they they make the all-star team and the traveling team, then your path is going to be filled with constant activity and you are going to resemble an Uber driver for your kids. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. Except they can't fill your soul. So what about you? What is your purpose these days? And do you like the path that it has you on? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself at different stages of your life, do I like the type of man or woman that I'm becoming? What is my purpose and does my path align with that? Do my priorities align with my values and what I'm all about just like Jesus? Do I like the type of person that I'm becoming along the way? I've talked to so many people that long for rest People are exhausted. They long for peace. They long for a closer connection to God and they haven't taken a Sabbath for six months. Do you believe that when God gives us these rules and these boundaries and these laws that because he wants to set you free, he wants you to rest? They haven't been to worship in, in, in consistently in months. The path doesn't align with the purpose. I know for people that long for community and relationships, and I'm all about the small group, and yet the first thing to go when I get busy is, I sorry, I can't make it to small group this week. Community is not found, it's built. And it takes time and it takes consistency. If my purpose is to have a rock-solid, God-honoring marriage when the kids are gone, I need to invest in my marriage while my kids are here because my first priority is my wife ahead of my kids. Because when they move out of the house, I want to know who's sitting across from me. i got to align my purpose and my path together. And I want to challenge you with something. Jesus knew exactly who he was. And it determined his priorities in his life. Your number one purpose in life is not to be a perfect mom, is not to be a perfect dad, to be a super-involved, cool grandparent, to be a rock star spouse, to be a high-performing employee. Your number one purpose in this life is to be a follower of Jesus Christ every single day and let that infiltrate every aspect of your life. That is your identity, and so that then informs every other role that you have in life, and that's what I love about Jesus. It's all throughout the Gospels. There never seems to be a moment when he's unclear of his mission. I am here to seek and save the lost. That's why, as a church, we can do lots of things. What are we about connecting people with the love of Jesus Christ? That's it. That's what all of this is for. Lights and music and smoke and sound and, and Easter tickets and registration. All of that, it's so that people can know the love of Jesus Christ. That is why we exist. Don't miss it as a church. That is our mission. But if only we had that kind of alignment. Because as we look at this story today in John chapter 12, there are three different groups of people and they all have different motives when it comes to encountering Jesus. There's a lot of different kind of people in the crowd that day. Where do you find yourself in the crowd? There's certainly the crowd. There's the people that come and go and follow Jesus when it's convenient. There's the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and then there's the twelve. Then there's the disciples. And you have these different groups. And certainly the first group that we see is the crowd. The thousands of people that came for this parade and the Passover festival. Now, why are they there? Look at verse 17. Bible readers, if you've got your Bibles open, verse 17. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb. You remember Lazarus in John 11. Raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it. That was the reason that so many went out to meet him. Because they had heard about the miraculous sign. When somebody becomes popular, it's pretty easy to get caught up in the excitement, isn't it? If you had heard that there was a guy here in town that was raising people from the dead and he was walking down University Avenue right now, you'd probably want to go out and see what all the fuss was about, right? Same is true with Jesus. We have a term for this crowd, type of crowd for these fans that just jump on board with whatever the latest fad is, and you've heard of it, bandwagon fans, right? You've heard of these people. This happens all the time, particularly in sports, and that is no more true than the NCAA tournament. Any March Madness fans out there? right now? Okay, three of you. So, there's this basketball tournament that's going on right now, and I'm just, not to, you know, puff myself up or anything, because we just sang Empty Me, but you are looking at currently the third place participants in the Hope staff pool uh, right now, right? Just, Just saying, okay? Come through for me, Gonzaga, today. Okay, so that's where we're at right now. We take ourselves really seriously as we prepare for Easter. At the start of the tournament, everybody has their allegiances. I'm only gonna root for this team. This is my team and nobody else. I would never root for that team and as the field gets smaller and smaller and your team loses, it's amazing how many people just jump on the bandwagon and all of a sudden, everybody's, I'm a die-hard Oral Roberts fan. Man, I love North Texas. Come on, two weeks ago, you didn't even know those universities existed, let alone had a basketball team, right? But it's easy to jump on the bandwagon. And now they're your team. Why? Because they're winning. Your heart's not in it. You don't know anything about them. You don't have a relationship with that team. You haven't been following them. But now that everything's going well, you're in it. Jesus had a lot of bandwagon fans that day. The crowd was filled. There's a word for that. Of what bandwagon fans do. And, they, and bandwagon fans go to whatever makes us feel good and whatever meets our needs. That's called consuming. That's called being a consumer. I'll I'll be a fan. I'll cheer uh, cheer for you as long as my needs are met, Jesus. As long as you heal the sick and do all those miracles and kick out the Romans, then I am all aboard the Jesus train. Choo, choo, I'm hopping on board. I am with you, Jesus. The problem is, Everybody hopping on board the Jesus train on Sunday got off on Friday. That's what the crowd does. That's what bandwagon fans do. And if we're not careful, we fall into that trap as well, but it's more subtle. Jesus, I love the idea of you being my peace and my comfort and a little boost in my week. And so when I have time, I love to pop in and get my church fix. I I I love to pop in. And if I do that once a month, that seems to do the trick. Oh, I'm I'm all about Jesus as long as things are going really, really well. But God, when you start letting me down, I'm out. Where are you, Jesus? You've left me. Things aren't going well for me. And we assume that the presence of pain means the absence of God when it could not be more false. Sometimes when you are hurting the most, when you feel the farthest away from God, that's when he is the closest to you. Don't be a fickle fan. Don't be a bandwagon fan. Fan. The crowd's purpose is consume what I can get out of religion. Consume what I can get. And Jesus says, that's not going to work because I'm not just your king. I'm your savior, and I want all of you. I want all of you. Jesus says, I am the king of kings. I'm not a feel-good religious idea once in a while. I'm your king, and connecting with me once a while every other week is never going to satisfy your soul. Amen? Here's the truth. You cannot consume your way to maturity in Christ. A lot of people try to do that. And maybe if you and I were in the crowd that day, we'd be doing the same thing. But you cannot consume your way to maturity in Christ. Instead of fans, followers of Jesus move from consuming to contributing. The most mature people that follow Jesus are servants. You never, ever outgrow serving in the local church. None of us, my pastor Hurst and I included, are never beyond setting up folding tables or scraping gum off the floor. You want to know why? Because Jesus washed our feet. You're never beyond it. None of us are ever beyond serving. That's what it means to be a leader. We move from consuming to contributing. We have the opportunity to do that all the time as a church, and Easter is no different. So at Hope Elam, Easter is what we call a garage door event. You know, back in the previous days when people would like meet together in person and have each other over, you would open up your garage door. Everybody drives home, shuts their garage door, goes inside, turns on the TV. People used to like open up their garage door and say, come on over. That's what we want to be as a church. Well, it's going to fling the doors wide open and that's what Easter is all about. And why do you do that? So you can let everybody in because Jesus loves people. It's not about being a big church or a small church. Jesus just loves people. Jesus loves the crowds. He had compassion on them. Before he went down into the city, his heart broke for the crowds. If your faith, if your religion is not moving you to love, Jesus, love people more and more and more, make sure it's Jesus that you're following. His heart breaks for people. It, heart, it breaks for the, for the crowds. We want more people here. Not to say we have more people, but so they can experience the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we added another service. Nine days before Easter, we had to add another service because you kept signing up. So praise God for that. So that is the Saturday three o'clock service, and we will be here bright and early if anybody wants to come to the 7 a.m. service. That's where the party's at, is at 7 a.m. So you should come, folks, okay? Now when you're throwing a party, you want to be the best host possible too, and that's our amazing hospitality team. It takes over a hundred volunteers from now until next Sunday to make sure that we are offering that warm and welcoming hospitality, but your purpose determines your path. If my purpose is to get my Easter seat and be safe and comfortable, I'm good. I don't care how many people are coming, but if my purpose is to make sure that every single person that walks through those doors and shows up online feels loved and welcomed, you better believe I am serving. Because that's what we do. That's what followers of Jesus do. If my purpose is to get my needs met, it doesn't matter that we have five Easter services. But if I'm a servant leader, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I've moved from consuming to contributing. And I, (laughs) I do some Zooms with people that haven't been able to come in worship, and I was Zooming a couple weeks ago, with a very, very faithful couple of our church that's in their 80s. And they're they're in, they're in good health. They just got vaccinated, and I was meeting with them. We hadn't talked in a long while, and I just asked them, what do you miss the most about coming to church in person? They are in their 80s. They have every right and every excuse to say, been there, done that, somebody else can serve, somebody else can volunteer. What do you miss the most about church? You know what they said? Serving every single week. Serving every single week. And that just, that just rocked my world. I said, you, you inspire me. They could make every excuse in the book, but they say we're here to serve and not consume. We're throwing a party and we need some hosts and we would love your help with that so that every single person that walks through those doors know that, knows that they matter to God. But there was others in the crowd that day. Not just, not just the crowd, but secondly, the Pharisees. The religious leaders of the day, we get a glimpse into their hearts in verse 19. Look at that in your Bibles, verse 19. The crowds are going wild for Jesus, so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after These is first century party poopers right here, okay? That's where it's at. The whole world has gone after him. If that doesn't scream jealousy, I don't know what does. Which speaks to the Pharisee's problem. If you're a Pharisee, your job is to maintain law and order. To keep the order. And Jesus' very presence threatened everything about the religious establishment. He healed when he shouldn't. He hung out with the wrong crowd. He loved his enemies. He forgave people that you and I want to be bitter and hold grudges against. Jesus didn't fit in the box. And so if you're a Pharisee, your main purpose towards Jesus is not to consume... It's to conform Jesus to what you want him to be, to your agenda. And I wonder if we don't do the same. But what happens when Jesus' agenda butts up against yours? You know, Jesus, I'd really really rather not love that person that's on social media. I, I just would rather lash out against them. Because it feels good just to rip them down and tear into them. And Jesus responds, yeah, who's your king? Yeah, Jesus, you know, when I when I do my budget and and my money, I'm just gonna do it my way and, and spend my money and my budget and work out my tithing and my giving the way that I want to. Jesus says, Who's your king? You know, Jesus, when I come to church, I don't really like to socialize with anybody, even social distancing. I'm just going to hang out with my clique, with my huddle, with my crowd, the people that have the same color skin that I do, the people that that live in the same side of town that I do, the people that I know voted last November the way that I voted. And Jesus says, you know, I really, really care who's president, and I really care who you voted for. I want to know who's your king. Because I'm the king of kings. Who's your director in this life? Who gets to call the shots for you? And the reason Jesus says all of this is because that's where the joy is found. When Jesus is your director, when he's your king, when he calls the shots, that's where the joy is found. That's where the abundant life is found. That is where freedom is found. When your purpose, praise God, when your purpose is connected to Jesus, it changes everything. And nobody knows that better than the last group that was there that day. This ragtag bunch of misfits (laughs) called the disciples. They weren't consuming all the time. They weren't necessarily trying to conform Jesus sometimes. They had found a purpose worth living for. I'm just going to stay connected to Jesus no matter what. They didn't have to follow him, and neither do you, but they did. They could have left when the teaching got hard, but they didn't. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. They were about as messed up as you and I are. But they realized when you found the bread of life, you're going to go to what feeds you over and over again. We're not a perfect church. We're not a museum for saints. We're a hospital for sinners. There's no holy huddles here. There's nobody that's above anybody else at Hope Elam. We're one beggar telling another beggar where to get food the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And I love what the disciples realize. Jesus is doing some really hard teaching, and it's bumping up against their agenda. And I want to conform Jesus to what I want him to be. I want him to be the kind of savior I want him to be. And Jesus says, that's not who I am. Because my body is going to be broken, and my blood is going to be spilled, and it's thrown for a loop. And the disciples just realize, we don't have any other choice. When you found what can satisfy your soul, you're not going to run to anything else. And so they say this. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You're it, Jesus. I'm not going to go anywhere else. It's the secret to life. The secret to life. Find a purpose that can satisfy your soul. And I'll give you a hint. (laughs) It's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's only one person that has ever and will ever live. That can do that, and his name is Jesus. And the step two is you align your priorities to it. You align your priorities to it. I found an example this week in a very unexpected place. I guarantee that we are the only church in the city where you're going to hear about Dwayne Wade on Palm Sunday. So here we go, okay? Whether you're a basketball fan or not. Any NBA fans out there, basketball fans? Okay, a few more NBA fans than college fans. Okay, gotcha. Well, Dwayne Wade is this great, famous NBA basketball player. He retired... A few years ago, he's got championships. He's made millions of dollars, more than you and I will ever make combined. Fame, fortune. So you would think that was his purpose, the driving ambition of his life. Well, when he retired, they did this commercial. Don't mind the adult beverage signs in the background. That's not an endorsement from Hope Elam. They did this commercial for him. And it turns out, because of his faith, He's been up to a little bit more than just putting a round ball through a hoop. He had a different purpose, and it defined his path. Take a look. Your purpose will determine your path. And I don't know if you caught it, but Wade's mom, a former drug addict, is now a pastor in Chicago at the church that he built. When you look at your purpose, the direction that your life is headed these days, is it all about you? Or is it for others? Is it about consuming? Because if it was for Wade, none of that happens. None of those lives are touched. When you let your purpose determine your path, the question you have to ask yourself is, is it going to matter when I'm gone? What, What sort of impact... Is the direction and the purpose of my life having on other, I, I don't, whether it's your retirement ceremony, whether it's your final days on your bed, there's going to be a line of people just like that that are going to be coming in. And what are they going to say about you? Well, they, they worked a lot of hours. Well, they're really busy. Well, they, they played it safe. Well, they consumed worship. They popped in, they popped out. Don't miss this this morning. I am so thankful for all that Dwayne Wade has done. Is he perfect? No. But his purpose led to a path that changed people's lives. But I cannot help but think this morning what does that line look like for our King, for our Savior? How how many of you want to get in that line of saying, Jesus, you changed my life forever? I'm not just going to give you a jersey. I'm going to give you everything. What does that line look like? (laughs) Anybody standing in that line this morning? Who's in that line with me? Dwayne Wade, put that aside. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the only one that can satisfy your soul and change your life. And why do we get in line? Why do we want to be in that line at the end of our life to say, I wouldn't have made it without him? He's the real life changer. No, no artist, no celebrity can satisfy my soul. No, no hobby, no job, no human earthly relationship can satisfy my soul. So I'm getting in that line to say, if it wasn't for you, Jesus, if it wasn't for you, that's why we get in that line, because he chose a bigger purpose. Don't miss that on Palm Sunday. It's not just about a parade with palm branches. Jesus knew who he was. And he aligned his purpose with it. And that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday because Jesus has conquered sin and death. That's why we celebrate Holy Week. That's why we show up on Thursday. That's why we show up on Friday. That's why we invite people. That's why we serve on Easter. And next weekend is going to be the biggest Jesus party you've ever seen because his purpose has changed our lives. Amen? His purpose has changed our lives forever. Even when life isn't perfect, he's still the king. Amen? Even when you're hurting, he's still the king. Are you getting the drift here? Even when you're unsure or apathetic he's still the king. Even when you're hurting today and you're lost and you're afraid, he's still the king. Even if you don't want to serve and you don't feel like it, he's still the king. Even in the middle of a pandemic, he's still the king. And we're going to wave those palm branches and we're going to celebrate today. So grab your palm branches, stand to your feet. The band's going to lead us in one final worship song and we're going to sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's worship together.